0: Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs for an audience of entrepreneurs. Joining me is someone who'd listened to my interviews, and I'm so excited to have him on here because... He is dealing with the realization that I think a lot of us need to come to. And frankly, um, many of the discoveries that he made, I wish I'd made over the years myself. So bottom line, I'm doing this for my younger self. I wish I'd had this conversation, but I have a feeling I'm going to keep repeating some of the mistakes that we're going to talk about here. And hopefully this conversation will help me avoid them and uh, build a bigger company. All right, Uh, Adam Arkfeld is the founder of PowerCore. It is a pay-per-click pay-per-click lead generation agency. He is also the founder of Prevail Legal Marketing. They are pay-per-click lead generation agency for lawyers that guarantees its cost per lead. We can do this this interview thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if you're paying people, I want you to go and switch to Gusto. This is your chance to do it and do it right. Take care of your people and make it easy for you to pay them gusto.com slash Mixergy. And the second, if you're inspired by this interview, you want to start something, you're going to need a website. I will recommend that you go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy, but I'll talk about those later. First, Adam, good to have you here.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: You know what? I always ask my guests, what's a win for you? How do I make this useful? And you told me that there was something that you wished that, that you'd realized early on about, about the type of business you should be in. What was that realization?
1: Yeah, I started Paracor 11 years ago. And I just real, when I first started, I fell into owning a business. Um, I was in real estate a little bit out of college when that market was crashing. I started building websites and I just started building websites out of my condo, uh, coffee shops, kind of grew that business um, to about 10 employees. And I just started realizing that my employees were being poached by startups in town. Um, you know, the next level of website development developments, like bigger projects, bigger swings in revenue, bigger problems. And I didn't want to be in that. I just realized all the pain of that model. So I was in that model. And then I switched to pay-per-click advertising, which is Paracord, which is recurring revenue. theoretically, you know, not like SaaS-based revenue, but its own beneficial, its own mm-hmm. benefits of being recurring revenue. And then lately, I've been moving to more of a performance-based marketing model where we're actually getting paid um, on a per lead basis instead of, on a retainer basis, which has a slew of benefits in itself. So I've gone through about three major iterations in my business. And I just wish that 10 years ago, someone would have been like, listen, man, you got a business, great, but your model is really tough. Like if you love it, it's sort of like, you know, if you love music and you want to make creative music, it's like, if you love music, like go for it, do it, but you got to like, love it. If you love building websites, do it, go for it. But if you don't, you might want to consider like, I don't know, maybe being a, an accountant or a doctor or something.
0: <laughs> and and you are doing good, solid revenues, as we'll talk about later on in this interview. The difference is that with web building, it's project-based. With pay-per-click advertising, it's an ongoing relationship. So you have more predictable revenue, better relationships with your customers. Am I right about that? Right. right. You um, you mentioned how you got into this business, but I'm kind of fascinated by what you did before. Uh, I've got to ask you about the Ritz-Carlton. I've heard so much about hotels, these high-end hotels and how systemized they are about taking care of their people. What did you do at the Ritz-Carlton and what did you learn from them?
1: Yeah, I had a couple of friends that worked at the Ritz just in college and we were valets. And whether you're a valet or you're, you know, front desk or, you know, housekeeper, it doesn't really matter. You're all you're all educated in a certain level of customer service. It's very high end customer service. So it's everything from, uh, as a valet, you stand on the front drive. It's the way you stand. You either stand with your hands clasped in front of you or clasped behind you, but you'll never have your hands in your pockets. They will yell at you. Um, you never say no problem. You always say my pleasure or you, you know something of that. Uh, you always say my pleasure. But if someone asks you a question, you just always say um, I'll get back to them. That and you just basically try and solve their problem because they're high net worth individuals going to Ritz Carlton. Um, so. It just teaches you a different level of attention to detail when it comes to interacting with people and what's important. Do you still do that today? You know, it's funny because in the, in the pre-interview, um, you, you, your person was asking about it and it didn't really occur to me, but we actually, there's a book, I think it's called Ford and it's like family occupation, something in dreams. I can't remember what the it's an acronym that stands for something. And so we've incorporated into our business that we we become happiness touches and they sound kind of cheesy, but like with client birthdays or anniversaries um, with the company or uh, if they're having kids we my office managers send gifts all the time it's probably three to five gifts a month little things and clients just love that they send us pictures back and um, this is one example, but I didn't even realize it probably came from that um but it most likely did and it's just something that our clients really like it's just Small and special.
0: Ford stands for family, occupation, recreation, and dreams, yeah. and this is the things that you should talk to people about because that's what matters to them on a personal level. Am I right?
1: Yeah,
0: and we actually used to
1: um, ask a Ford question at the beginning of our reporting calls where we'd say, "Hey, you know, what's your favorite? If you could, if, if money weren't an issue, where would you live?" Right? Mm. To like learn about them for these happiness touches. But we found that a lot of our owners and I don't know some people just didn't like it. They just didn't like talking about spending five minutes talking about themselves. It was really weird. We stopped doing it.
0: Um, you want to know something I found when we went into COVID a lot, all my conversations were um, online and I couldn't get emotionally connected to the people I was talking to and they couldn't get connected to me. So every conversation became very transactional. I've mm-hmm. hired you to do the thing. You're coming back and reporting on the thing and we're never going to talk to each other again because we can't care. I said, how do I do this? And I, I read billion dollar coach Um, about the guy who trained uh, so many of the people who run Silicon Valley, Eric Schmidt famously Mm -hmm. was one of his uh, acolytes. And he pushed Eric Schmidt to not just get into the mechanics of a conversation, but ask something about what people did over the weekend and take a personal interest. So I tried that. And so I'd get on calls and I'd say to people, so what'd you do this weekend? And people feel that, I don't know if it's my place to do whatever. So I said, I got to find a solution here. And my answer uh, after a bunch of experiments was the first thing I would do is I would just Think about something that happened, and then I would in, in my personal life, and then I bring that up. And so it might be something like my four-year-old just had his birthday today. He's starting out the house like the guy just won a Super Bowl. It's it's amazing to see how excited he is about this little thing. And then the next thing I would do is, since I know that they're worried about how much time I'm going to spend on the personal and they want to get to business too, they're anxi- anxious. I would say we got a lot to cover here, but I got to ask you what's what's going on today or what's going on with whatever. And then I'd give them an opportunity with also a time box. So they felt a little bit more relief at letting that out because it is a problem. People feel like they shouldn't say anything personal.
1: Yeah. And it's, it, it's sort of a shame. I mean, you know, we are, we're all just so focused on business in this business environment. And it's, you know, I'm a member of like entrepreneurs organization. I have a coach and it's like in those organizations, like even though they're business oriented, we don't even talk about business. Like, oh, really? The, like, In your five-minute update, you only have five minutes, you lead with feelings, so I'm feeling anxious about this. And then you only talk about the top 5% or bottom 5%, and you don't talk about anything in between, and that's it. And it's like an amazing place of you know, safety and comfort to actually talk about, but there's so much more going on behind the scenes. So I agree with you 100%.
0: Yeah, I, I do like that about some something like scotch night, like poker. I would invite people over. I, I realize guys don't like to talk, but if they're, their card's there, they'll talk a little bit. And then if I insist that we're going to have a break to go eat, then they're going to talk a lot more. And it, it's hard to actually focus on finding a solution for how to get personal with people when the rest of the world outside of business, that's all they do. This is the most natural thing for them to do. All right. Um, So you were starting to say how you ended up in web development. How did you end up in web development?
1: I went to school for computer programming, um, got into commercial real estate when real estate was really hot for really no apparent reason. And then a friend of mine said, Hey, want to help me build websites? And the market was crashing in real estate. And I said, sure. I really had nothing else to do. So I knew how to do computer programming. He just taught me websites, but it was very, I mean, like transactional. As you said, there was really no intention behind it.
0: How would you even find these people?
1: My partner found them for a long time okay. and then um, they just were referrals. So you just do a little work. Then you got referrals or kind of asked around and it's kind of it when you're the only one doing the work, like you only need a few projects, you know, we didn't charge anything. So
0: uh, yeah, frankly, I saw how much we were charging. This is peanuts. How much were you charging?
1: <laughs> uh, our first websites were like $1,800 and we had been really complicated websites for like 3,500, like websites that in the future would have cost like 40 grand. I mean, what is a
0: complicated website? What type of sites were you building back then?
1: I built this one website back in the day for a patent attorney. It was called, um, it was called Visigy. I don't think it's still around, but okay. it was like a social networking site for, I can't remember what it was. It was, it was like a social site, but like you would like things and you would like interact and there was, I mean, it was complicated. There's a lot of things going on in a site like that.
0: There were a bunch of social networks at the time for um, for everything. I remember there was one I was keeping an eye on called Biznic. It was going to be the, like the MySpace of business. And, of course, <laughs> all of these were were blown away by LinkedIn and Facebook. What did you build that site in? Uh, it was straight PHP. Um, just hard so you were to building speak. these sites from scratch? You weren't even –
1: Oh, yeah. No friend. Wow. Friendly.
0: You weren't skinning a, a pre-existing no. – <laughs> He's my partner was wild. a
1: purist and he wouldn't let us use like WordPress or frameworks for until I actually ended up buying him out. And then we started to use that stuff.
0: How big was the business before you bought him out? Mm-hmm. Uh, I
1: He was my original partner. Then we brought in a partner. When I bought him out, we were probably doing like 200, 250,000 in revenue, maybe 250. A year? So yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so not long. even that much. And then, and then you joined EO. Doesn't EO have a requirement of a million dollars in sales or a certain amount? I don't know how much it is in funding, right?
1: Yeah, it's a million in top line revenue. So
0: how'd yeah. you get it to a million dollars in top line?
1: Um, EO has a has a program called Accelerator, which is a feeder organization. Um, you know, Chris Ronzio introduced me to you, and I think you've interviewed Russ Perry. Both those guys were in Accelerator here in Phoenix. And mm-hmm. so to get into Accelerator, it's two hundred fifty thousand, and then between two fifty and a million, and then you you Theoretically transitioning to EO. So I was an accelerator. And, you know, I don't know, they just teach you how to run a business. That's like, it's tactical work. So do some sales, do some marketing, hire some people.
0: <laughs> but yeah. Is that what it is? Because I've heard people here on Mixergy talk for years about how amazing EO is. Mm-hmm. I've seen other entrepreneurs try to recreate it for the tech space, mm-hmm. and it hasn't worked. My, the latest friend that I've seen who, who's taking a shot at it is Will Schroeder from startups.com. He's been buying companies. And then I think this is the one that he wants to launch from scratch, create these groups. What is it that makes EO, the accelerator, and then the program itself so effective?
1: It is, I would say it's two things. It's the quality of people that are in it. So you have to have certain revenue requirements to be in certain parts of the organization. There's also a group called YPO, which is like north of 10 million, um, under 45 to get in. And then the, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a highly, highly, highly confidential organization, EO especially. You cannot share anything that is talked about in your group. So we have a group of eight. So in an environment like that, and, and you're together for years, I've been in my, my EO forum for five years, and it's changed over the years, but um, been in for five years. When you have a space like that, a protected space where you can talk about anything, family, business, you know, it's, you can't find that really anywhere else. Like where else Mm -hmm. do you find that? You know, we were just talking about having personal conversations. This is to like the nth degree things you don't
0: tell anybody. I think it's also that you meet in person, right? Yeah. Until Mm -hmm. recently. And then they're pretty hard about, you have to show up for the meetings. You have to, you can't keep missing them. Right. I guess each one is different.
1: No, it's a hundred dollar late fee. If you're a minute late, depending on your group, if you miss more than one or two meetings, you're kicked out of your group. So yeah, it's very, very highly accountable.
0: At one point you had one client. I don't know how much you want to reveal about the revenue, but one client who was making up about half of your revenue, you looked at this business of building websites and you said, this client goes away. I lose half my revenue. Even if the client stays and I continue this way, I don't see myself getting to, to a big business. What do you, what were you looking for when you said, this is not going to hit my target?
1: You know, I joined EO, I think we did like 1.1 million or something, right? And we joined and I was looking at my client base and there was a client in Phoenix that was responsible for, let's say $500,000 a year. It was something in that neighborhood, 450 to 550 or something. And they were acquired by a German company. And I just knew like how do you replace a revenue stream like that? They had an amazing marketing manager who I got along with great. And she trusted us, and she fought for our for our um, budgets, and we just made amazing things for this company. Um, but those are hard to find, and it's sort of like finding a unicorn, you know, employee. Right? It's like you might have one, but like you can't build an entire company based on unicorns. And uh, then they were acquired by a German company, which just threatens my future and my employees were being poached by startups. And so I was just like, this model is stressful. Like, what the hell? Like (laughs) like trying to get bigger projects. And then, you know, so it's just a constant battle and with big swings in revenue. And that's not even to speak of like full service agencies that bring on, you know, big clients and they hire up and fire based on those clients. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even that magnitude. I knew that's where it could potentially go. And that was not appealing to me.
0: So then how'd you end up with pay-per-click? We had one
1: client paying us $300 a month to do pay-per-click. So we felt qualified to start a pay-per-click agency.
0: (laughs) And the attractive thing was that it was $300 per month, that per month part.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. So we had no idea what pricing should be. I think initially we priced it at $450 a month or $300 or something, plus 10% of ad spend. And our ad spends at the time were like $1,500 a month. So we'd be charging like $500 for a client, but yeah, the recurring revenue and the scalability. So in my mind, I was like, okay, one account manager can handle X number of clients, 20 or 10 or whatever. And then, so I can just hire another account manager and they'll hire, they'll manage 10 clients. And so like in my mind, I could see this like scalability equation working out. Um, what I didn't realize was that not many people know how to do pay-per-click well. And so it's not like hiring a designer developer where you go to school for it. You have to either train it or they've learned it in an environment that you're, that could be all, it could be various sorts of qualified. So when there's a, when there's a position in a business, and there's not formal education outside of it in the real world. It's hard to grow that it's hard to scale that position because then you have to become a training organization.
0: Does something just go off in the background, like a fan?
1: Maybe I have an air handler. That sounds like a cannon sometimes.
0: Do you want to see if you could turn off the fan? I'll do an, I'll do the first sponsorship message while you do that.
1: Sure. I I think it's off right now, but I can go turn off. Okay. If it's off, then we'll
0: continue. I think it's good. No, I'm hearing something, a little bit of something going off in the background. Yeah. I don't hear anything on my side. Uh, It's gone. All right. Super. But uh, since I'm looking at the background, I'm also seeing a statue of Buddha. Is that for spiritual purposes or just to kind of make the place look nice? You know,
1: I'm by no means Buddhist, but the, that faith like speaks to me the most of any. So it's just like calming, you know, I had a decorator decorate my office and I said, I like Eastern stuff and she brought it in. So I meditate every day, you know, stuff like that.
0: What type of meditation practice do you have?
1: I just meditate 10 to 15 minutes a day. I have a pretty, like, I have quite a few things in my morning routine. So uh, 10 to 15 minutes a day. And I just do silent sitting. I don't do guided. I don't you know, do the um mantras, I just sit for fifteen minutes, so that's my meditation.
0: I feel like you're someone who gets a lot of your the way that you live your life comes from books and systems and processes. Am I right? like that morning routine i'm I'm almost wondering is this a miracle morning? Is there someone else who you're getting it from? Yeah, every major
1: i guess habit or change in my life is a result of someone else influencing it so a number of years I joined this program warrior out of California. Um, that's kind of, I'm phasing out of right now, but they just have a really strong morning routine and it's about meditating, you know, doing some reading, journaling, um, working out, you know, eating healthy. And so once I was able to incorporate that, it's, you know, the, the, the idea is like you win the day before the day starts. So you win Mm -hmm. the day before you leave the house. So if the whole day goes to shit, like, at least you have meditated, learned something, you know, you communicate with your spouse, communicate with your kids, like you make deposits in all these areas. So the the morning, I mean, there's miracle morning, there's all sorts of them, but it's just a powerful time, in my opinion. What time do you wake up? I try to get up. At, it's usually,
0: uh, I'd say 5.30 is when I actually- 5.30. Go. And mm-hmm. then all of this is personal growth and relationships with your family. Do you do any work thing before to kind of win the day?
1: No, I decided yeah. to cut that out. I decided not to.
0: It's I just, it's, I got to work on myself. Work's going to yeah. happen all day. I've got to build myself up for that. Yeah. And
1: I feel really strongly that you you take up the space that's that's available to you. So, and that's why people procrastinate on tests. That's why a task that could theoretically take 45 minutes might take an hour and a half. Because if you have an hour and a half window, it's just like you tend to, this is my opinion, I say you, but yeah. I tend to... Um, you know, operating the amount of time that's available. And so if I make that time available for me in the morning, then I just end up working more. I would rather figure out how to keep my day under eight hours as a, from a business perspective than be like, I need to work 12 hours. Like the hustle and grind thing is like nonsense in my opinion. But-
0: Let me talk about my first sponsor. It's Gusto. You've used Gusto. What do you know about Gusto?
1: Um, I mean, they're a payroll system that I used a long time ago. We moved away from them like five years ago because they kind of started increasing their prices and I went to to another company. But my CPA literally said she was gonna fire me if she, if I wouldn't, if I didn't go back to Gusto because we were the only client she had. And she's, she's not my CPA for years that wasn't on Gusto. And I had to fight her just to stay on this other platform because I didn't want the I didn't want to go through the process of changing. It had nothing to do with Gusto. But she was like, every one of my clients on Gusto. We can't work together if you don't switch. <laughs>
0: So if you're out there listening to me and you're getting started, go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. They will help you get started for free. They will do your full service payroll. We're talking about not just full-time employees who are W-2 employees, but also 1099. And when we're talking about people now more and more moving anywhere in the country, then you need a payroll company that can actually handle... Where they're going. You need one that could help you give medical, dental, vision, all the different benefits that you want to make available to your people. You want someone who could help you with that. You want a certified HR expert. You want someone who could do hiring and onboarding. And and frankly, do it in a in an environment that's just pleasant, in an app and an experience that you feel drawn to instead of repulsed and confused by, and that your people will feel happy with. Go to gusto.com/slash mixergy, start next year off right. If you are switching away from another payroll, frankly, for you, Adam, if you are, they will make it easy and smooth for you. But I want you all to just go and check them out. Think about 2021 being the year that you make it easy for your people to go switch and live wherever they want and have it be headache free for you, headache free for them. And I've seen people who've gone through this uh say that it's 10 minutes a week is all they spend now on, on people. And they've got an HR expert that can help you when you need them. And everything that you need in order to do HR and in order to do payroll, right? Just go to gusto.com slash mixergy. gusto, by the way, G U S T O. Um, The transition I thought to pay-per-click would be a no-brainer, Adam. If I were just thinking about this, I would think, oh yeah, he's got web design clients. All he has to do is go to them and say, do you want some pay-per-click so we can get you some customers? Great. He hires one person who does it. Adam trains that person. And then that person starts to take on other clients that Adam gets for him. And then before long, he's transitioned into the pay-per-click business. You're smiling as I say this, because that's not how it was. Why not?
1: That's what I thought too.
0: (laughs) Why? Where's (laughs) the- Everything yeah. seems so easy. What's what's the issue that you had as you were transitioning? I mean, for one, we only had, you know, with one client representing
1: half our revenue, we only had like eight to 12 active clients at any given time. You know, even though we were doing over a million revenue, it's like we didn't have that many clients. So I think maybe one of them could potentially be pay-per-click, but they just weren't, they weren't prospects and they knew us for web development. So here's the thing, like, Paracor was web development for five or six years, and then we said, "Oh, by the way, now we're going to do PPC." What I did not do, which was one of the most painful experiences in my life, is I did not create a new company and just say, uh, "You know, this is, you know, now we're pair of PPC or what?" Like I started a second company. I should have, I should have said, "I started a second company," just like when you introduced me, you said, "Adam owns Paracor and Prevail." Prevail started this year. Like it's a second company. It's clear. It's for lawyers. So second company would have been this is a PPC company. But nobody knew us. I had to re-educate all my accelerator friends, all my EO friends. And I had a family member ask me literally five years later, how's the web development going? And I'm just like, I had no web development for five years. But they just knew Paracore. You know, it's like, they're not really my day-to-day or anything it was a cousin or something. But um, it was, it's a different market. It's different skill set. Um, we didn't have track record. Nobody, everyone thought we were web development. So we got no referrals. Um, it was just a bad plan for transition. If you're changing your services, yeah. do not change them under an existing
0: company. But it seems so similar to me. Web design and pay-per-click go hand in hand, not to customers. They think marketing is different from web development. Is that it? Yeah. I mean, they, we just, we, we didn't have enough customers. It wasn't really like we couldn't sell to our
1: existing customers. We just didn't have the opportunity to. But with pro- but then you have the website situation. So it's our website says we do web development. And then we like slowly transition it to pay per click, and like didn't tell our existing clients. And mm-hmm. they were like, "Why does your website say pay per click now?" You know, and <clears throat> it was just it just doesn't. I don't know. It just didn't work that way. And I thought I- it would, but it didn't.
0: I think that I should have done that with Mixergy that when Mixergy was for mixers, it made sense that it was called Mixergy. Even then, I think people were a little confused. When we then transitioned to an online greeting card, uh, an online invitation site, Mixergy was all right, maybe. And then I started doing interviews with people who are coming to my events and then Mixergy was what? And I do think that it would have been better if I would have said, okay, I'm doing interviews with people who come to my events. It's the interview show. I don't know what it could have been. It could have been Andrew Warner interviews or whatever. But you're right, then the brand stands on its own. And then if you need to transition away from something, you could just sunset that thing and it doesn't stop people from understanding what the new thing is. And each each product, each project has its own identity. The downside, I think the reason I would have hesitated to do that is because I would have thought that each brand, each service helps the other, but I could see that that's, that creates confusion that that overwhelms whatever help you get. But I would also wonder if it would make people, if it would have made people, your clients think, well, what's Adam doing? He's got two businesses now. Is he does he care about this business? Is there a third? Is he someone who's got who's got focus, or is he doing too many things? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is is that is that enough of a downside? Do you think?
1: Well, I've so this this legal marketing um, business that we started is like our third uh, our third iteration of this kind of like perform um, of kind of like going into a different niche. So we made the transition to pay per click, and then. I knew someone that was like that was doing really well in specializing in certain verticals. So I created outdoor adventure marketing, which was like PPC for tour and activity operators, like skydiving, ATVs, you know, boat tours. And that like didn't work, but we spun up that brand and then it just faded away when it was done. And Paracore was not affected at all. And then we did one for um, PPC advertising for Shopify store owners. It was called Edison two one, and you can still go to Edison 21com It's a, website for, you know, um, if people, we, we, do a lot of like Shopify, um, marketing with Paracore. So we were creating a specific brand there, but then prevail just kind of started taking off and, and overtook that brand. So that brand didn't necessarily fail like outdoor venture marketing, but prevail just sort of like took the lead. And so we went all in on that.
0: All right. And I do see that it, it could potentially cause confusion for people because I see your face on Edison 21 and a couple of, and, yeah. and you also have prevail and so on paracore but. When I do look at Edison 21, I could totally understand how a Shopify owner would feel at home. You're saying right away from the start, this is made for Shopify owners. And if I'm a Shopify owner who doesn't feel comfortable with online marketing, I feel like, well, he knows me. He's in my space. He's adding this new thing to my world. And all you did really is just create another, another website. I get that. Where did you get that? You've said that all the big things in your life came from, um, from someone kind yeah. of guiding you. Is that Mike <clears throat> McAllowitz? Oh, you know, it's funny.
1: It is in a roundabout way. So Mike McCallowitz wrote The Pumpkin Plan, which I've been listening to on repeat. Um, he, that book really influenced a guy named Mike Arcee, who is also an accelerator in Arizona. And he started a company called Loud Rumor. Um, he'd be a great person to interview. And he went all in on marketing for fitness studio and gym owners. So that's all his company does, fitness studios and gyms. And his company just exploded. Um, that's a hard demographic to market. I mean, they're small businesses. They don't have a lot of money. You know, it's, very, it's just a different thing. And so that's where I kind of got the idea to niche down. And that's really taught me, like, when your audience can look at a business and identify on their own that they're the target market, like, you don't have to tell them, like, we do this for your business. When they just say, like, oh, I am the target market of this business, and this is what I'm looking for. It's like, that business has to lose your business. They don't, they don't try and win it. It's like, they're already like a front runner, because they're so clearly aligned with what you need.
0: And how would you describe what the pumpkin plan is?
1: How would I describe? I mean, generally speaking, I would describe it as a business strategy book. Um, but I mean, I guess the essence of it is the more narrow you go with the target market and an audience, the, the faster you'll grow and, the, and kind of like the bigger success you'll see. I mean, when you branch up into too many things you just get distracted you can't really nurture your your, your best clients the way that you need to mm-hmm. so um yeah it's a, it's an amazing it's i recommend that book um so it's one of my most highly recommended books i bought it for time
0: looks like i bought the book in oh look at this march 20 march 21 2014 i <laughs> bought it he did a master class for mixergy on how on and how to well, actually he did a few master classes, And in, in one of them, we talked about the pumpkin plan. Um, I remember when I first met him, I thought, this guy's kind of weird. He's probably just trying to be a guru and there's not enough substance there. And I, it was a toilet paper entrepreneur and I get it. It was like, if you run out of toilet paper, you're going to be resourceful. You're going to come up with some solution. Same thing in business. You always have to be resourceful. I mean, anyway, he's just gotten to his ideas just really resonate with us with entrepreneurs who are in the in the single millions and want to grow bigger and in the single millions and maybe go what the what the what happened to my profit I'm working really hard I hit the numbers that everyone should be impressed by but there's no profit all right um so I get I get the attraction there I see that you you didn't to you didn't do that how did you end up getting pay-per-click customers when you were just when you were transitioning in a way that we'll say is maybe the wrong way or the harder way
1: that's a really good question. Um, that was about five years ago. I think that we just did, um, you know, honestly most of our business is always coming through referrals and it's, it's been a grind growing that way. And it's because, and this is the other reason I, this is the other benefit I see of things like the pumpkin plan. And every time I talk with someone that I, I see in my situation with Paracor, which is our target audience is marketers and business owners generally no industry specific you don't know where to market like linkedin is like where you market it's like you know you don't know what podcast to go on you don't know what conference to go to you don't know what messaging works and so um we just it's always been referrals we've all, i also have a youtube channel that has a couple thousand subscribers and i learned that if i i learned that if i put content on there about tools that my clients were using like CallRail, Unbounce. And like third-party tools that were affiliated with PPC, I could pick up clients that way rather than teaching about PPC because marketers and business owners don't really research PPC unless they're very small. So, but they, do, they will sometimes research different tools that, they're, that they want to use. So that's actually generated a, hand, a good number of clients for us.
0: So if they're looking for PPC, they're... It was, If they're the right customer for a pay-per-click agency like yours, why would they be looking for Unbounce? Because they're trying to do pay-per-click on their own or because they know this is the first step, create this landing page, and then from there move on and and figure out how to get people to the landing page? Is that it?
1: Yeah, I think CallRail has been a better source of leads for us, which is people are adding call tracking attribution to their website, and they are wanting to get more visibility into their pay-per-click campaign. And we have a very... Um, long history with CallRail. I mean, I've spoken for them, written articles. And so we then position ourselves as the authority on anything CallRail. So if you search CallRail on YouTube, I think I still have, I mean, I haven't checked in a while, but I used to have like six of the top 10 videos, like literally the word CallRail. And it's like Paracore was everywhere. So anybody that would look would find our videos.
0: Did you also get customers from, uh, oh yeah, look at this. The first two videos are from CallRail itself. And the third video is Paracore with with you right there on the thumbnail. Did you also find that all these groups that you were a part of, thats that they led to referrals? I think you're one with uh, Russ Perry, the guy from Design Pickle, right? Yeah. Is, yeah. is uh, that help? Um,
1: that Those groups are, are, are non-solicitation groups. Um, with that being said, if someone wants your services, they can ask you, but you can never solicit. Mm-hmm. Um, But actually, the majority of our leads, now that I've thought about a little bit more, it was a while ago, um, they come from referrals from other agencies. So being just PPC, we are not mm -hmm. a threat to an SEO agency. We're not a threat to a HubSpot agency. We're sort of a threat to full service agencies, but not really depending on their PPC program. So other agent and other agencies that don't aren't affiliated with PPC will refer us in a minute because we are just a neutral, you know, we are only doing one thing and we will never threaten their business where when we work alongside other agencies that we don't know our business is typically at risk because full service agencies will typically charge less than us for our own services.
0: How do you get those relationships?
1: Those are easy. I mean, just reaching out to SC, um, just SEO companies in town, just say, Hey man, like, assuming they don't do PPC, you just reach out and say, Hey man, like a lot of my clients ask for SEO. Can we get together? And, just kind of like stay on top of them and chat and have coffee once a quarter. That if I had to do it all over again, I would spend significantly more time with other agencies. Mm. But I um I don't know. I guess I I just didn't see it at the time.
0: Is but there now an equivalent of that? What's that? Sorry, but now what? I, I don't want to miss what you were saying. I was just to say. gonna
1: say with with Prevail, now that I have an industry vertical. Um, now we just do, you know, pay-per-click and we just do different types of, we do face, we do like more legitimate advertising that we do ourselves because I know who to target. My messaging speaks so strongly to them. So I, I we, we are still doing industry um, relationships or referrals and things like that, SEO people and legal and things of that nature. But my PPC is a lot stronger too because my messaging is more aligned.
0: I feel like all of my friends now are starting venture firms of some kind. It's because AngelList made it super easy. Not only can anyone create a a fund, but because of this rolling fund thing, you could keep on building, right? So you don't have to get a whole lot of money right now Mm -hmm. and, and then go and deploy it if you're not big enough to get all the money right now, that's fine. What you do is you just say, I've opened up my rolling fund. Anyone who wants to commit to it and give me money that I will then invest in startups can just go to my webpage and put it on. And the more money they get, the more they have to deploy. And anyway, they're all doing it. One of my friends started creating or is a part of this online community that focuses on the people he wants to invest in. So what he's thinking is, I want to find a way to bring these people to me and this online community that I create myself is a way to get to them. Do you think that these coffees that you were doing with local agencies, that that there would be an online equivalent to that? Could you have created an agency Slack or an agency Facebook group or something to, or or is this just an in-person one-on-one type of relationship?
1: So I almost, it's funny that you mentioned that I almost started this business called, um, coffee. I forgot what it was called. I had like a clever name for it. Um, when I was in accelerator, the group started, would get big and new, new members would come in and you just didn't have a chance to get to know them. And there were all these business owners that you wanted to get to know. So I basically sent out a list and I sent out an email and I said, Hey, anybody that wants to meet other business owners on a regular basis, please email me. And my office manager is going to match you. I think it was once a month, every single month. And she's going to send an email to both of you saying, Hey, you two were matched this month. You're here and you're here, figure out a place to meet. And now you guys go get coffee together. It was a coffee club, coffee networking club. I think that's what it was. I wanted to start a business it, but the idea was like, you know, it's easy to meet with people, but like to keep it consistent and have it managed and people loved that, but it just kind of became a pain for us to manage it. Um, digitally, I think you can definitely do it digitally. I mean, it's just a matter of, to me, it's more a matter of the repetition of staying in front of that person. A single meeting with someone almost never results in a relationship. All
0: right. The Pumpkin Plan. You read it. You said, "All right, I'm going to start to create these smaller uh, agencies that are focused." It's basically doing the same thing, but focused on a niche. How did you end up with the outdoor uh, activity operators—the guys who are doing zip line tours, Segway tours, water rafting?
1: We had a couple of those clients, and they. So, from a pay-per-click perspective, it's a easy. It's like an easy path to conversion. Someone's out of out of the market. You know, I'm in Phoenix. I'm going to Hawaii. I search Hawaii zipline tours. Ads come up, I go and I then click the ad and then I go and I book. So it's just a real easy play for pay per click. Um, So we just thought, hey, you know, like these campaigns seem to be working. We had two of them, I think, at the time, and let's go all in. Um, But I didn't realize that the seasonal nature was really Mm -hmm. a struggle. They had plenty of business on season and no business off season, but nobody wanted to go there off season. So it's like, you need some marketing if you're under capacity, but a lot of people hit capacity when they're in season oh,
0: and they yeah, don't want to pay yeah. for marketing. All right. I'm going to take a moment to talk about my second sponsor and it fits in so perfectly with what we've been talking about, Adam. I could imagine, Adam, somebody saying, Andrew's got HostGator as a sponsor. With HostGator, it's easy to fire up another website. What do you guys build your website on? Are you a HubSpot or something else? Uh no WordPress. WordPress, WordPress, right? You go to yeah. hostgator.com slash Mixergy, get a good price on a WordPress site and you just launch it. And so if there's a niche, if there's a niche that's working for you, create a new site, a new brand for it and start yeah. focusing on that and make people feel at home. What tips do you have for people who want to follow that strategy? Tips I have. Um,
1: <clears throat> I think that, I mean, I don't know if there's any, t- I mean, I think that <laughs> that strategy is the tip I have. Um, you know, create a, create a legitimate brand out of it. And so mm-hmm. the last two that we've done, I've hired a a, a, a friend of mine that does branding and she creates a logo and it's a legitimate brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so spend a little time investing in it and make it a real business. It's not, you know, it is just a little mini agency. It is a little thing, but you're starting a new business. And unless you have the mentality that you're starting a new business, and this is, you're telling people that you own two businesses, it won't be represented as a new business and and people have to perceive it as a new business and it has to be represented in the marketplace so the mindset is the first thing of you're starting a new business with a new LLC and a new website with a new so LLC want, yeah because if you want to sell it off or if you you want the revenue to flow through separately i mean that's if, Wait, if Edison to...
0: 21 had an LLC why not just say i'm going to make Edison 21 into its own site with its own brand and then if it starts to really kick off revenue then i'll i'll LLC it
1: yeah, I mean, I guess you're. I guess I don't, I don't even know if I did it with Edison. Uh, with Prevail, I definitely have its own LLC. It definitely right, has So it's
0: maybe out. not day one. Day one, yeah. get a site, but you're saying, look, don't just copy paste your current site. Don't just throw something up there. We're not talking about one of these thin pages or a landing page. We're talking about a real site. Think about it yeah. as a real business. All right, if you're out there and that's a direction that you want to take, HostGator is a fantastic company to, to do that with because they'll host WordPress right for you. They'll make it quick for you. They'll be there. And they also have, if you look at that site, they'll see, you'll see the middle option gives you unlimited web hosting. That means you come up with an idea, you host it, you come up with another idea later on after sunsetting your first one or just letting it survive there. Keep it up and you create another one and they will host it for free. Of course, you have to pay for the domain or use one of the domains that you have, but they'll host it for you as part of that plan. Really inexpensive. And if you use my URL, you'll get an even less expensive plan from them. And boy, are they good. I've really been happy with them. Hostgator.com slash Mixergy. Um, really great price and great service. So you did you officially then say, I'm closing up this part of the business Was it just as easy as, ah, this didn't work out. Let's just stop and move on. For which one? The the outdoor business.
1: Yeah, to a large degree. I mean, you just sort of let it sunset and let it fade away. Um, You know, you don't, I mean, when you have another brand that's out there and it doesn't affect your primary brand, you don't need to do a whole lot. I mean, you can transition the clients to someone else. We have merged our Edison clients into Paracore just because we didn't want to deal with two email addresses we just say, Hey, you know, we are, you know, our parent company is deciding to merge into whatever. And like, if you're delivering good service, they, we haven't had anyone care. So yeah, it's very easy to spend time that <laughs> you stop spending time on.
0: So then the, the latest, uh, product, the latest business is prevail. It's different because now you're not just buying ads. You're selling leads. You're taking on the risk and you're selling the result. How did you come up with that model?
1: So again, I saw someone doing it,
0: uh, and, and everything goes
1: back to accelerator. Now that I'm talking to you, um, <laughs> apparently there's a guy in accelerator that had a PPC agency, and I was an EO, and you know his company was moderate size. I'm not going to disclose anything. And all of a sudden, he joined EO, and I'm like, man, that you like grew your company very quickly. How'd that happen? He goes, oh, it's a different company. I'm like, what are you talking about? We mean a different company. He goes, oh yeah, we started selling leads instead of doing retainer contracts. And I'm like, Oh, tell me about that. So he just started telling me, um, you know, he 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 runs an independent brand that he's created internally. And these are like mini brands, you know, not like prevail, but like a mini brand runs Facebook ads to them or organic traffic or whatever people convert to on an offer. Uh, he does paper call actually um, where people call. And then you find a buyer that's looking for those leads and you negotiate a price up front. And as long as you can generate the lead for less than the price, then you have a margin on the lead. And so certain industries like debt, um, uh, I mean, there's tons of insurance, um, credit repair, they'll just buy thousands of leads. I mean, it's call centers and as many as you can generate will take. And so they're very highly scalable. Um, it's a very highly scalable model, which is not the case with retainer models because you need so many people to run multiple retainers with this performance market, you don't need that. You just plug
0: in new buyers thing that I would have expected is that I've interviewed people who've done this for years. Why is it still working? I would have thought that you'd have a harder time competing with people who've been doing this for years, generating leads for, for lawyers and for others. It's a big world out there. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like
1: the majority of the industry should go this way where performance is an element of a pay-per-click marketer, or just a general marketer's compensation. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. And it's hard. I mean, it's actually, it's not easy. I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, I guess it is if you kind of fall into a niche that you do well at, but it's hard to get that margin and to keep it and scale it and make it a real business. So it's, it's an easy model, but it's a little bit harder to execute sometimes.
0: So then what advantage do you have over others who'd been doing this before? What's the thing that's different?
1: Well, we have, well, we've done differently, which I'm not sure. Sh- sure (laughs) exactly how I feel about is, um, we actually, we, a a lot of times companies will generate leads under a mini brand, like a third-party brand that's theirs. So like prevail would have its own brand. We do that a little bit. And then when the lead is generated, sold to someone else, what we've actually done is there's a software called um, Mm RallyMind that allows you to build landing pages at scale. So they have a template and then they have an Excel sheet, a, a Google sheet. And when you add a row in the Google sheet, it creates a new landing page. Okay. Insanely fast. I mean, it's wild. So you can create like a hundred landing pages by just copying and pasting a hundred rows. I mean, it's insane.
0: I see it. I'm on the site, rallymind.com. Okay.
1: Yeah. So what we've done is we've created some templates. And so for bankruptcy attorneys, we say, we're going to brand the landing page for you. And we're going to use rallymind to build it super fast. And then when leads come in, they're going to convert under your brand. They're going to go just to you, which means they're exclusive. And so that element of branding and generating the lead under their brand is unique. That's not done very often. I mean, compensate the way we're compensated on a pretty basis.
0: And right, because in the, the other sites, they just have generic pages that they run ads for, and then they'll just sell it to whoever will take it. Here, the, the experience for the, for the lead starts off completely in the brand's image and in the brand's, uh, in the brand's voice. Uh, God, wow. I love that you've got all these little tools that actually have dramatic impact on a business. Yeah. What else are you using that's working <clears throat> for marketing, especially, but otherwise in your business? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I would say, I mean, we use a
1: we use a platform called Leadspedia, which a lot. So if anyone's going to do um, performance marketing, mm-hmm. there are lead distribution systems. One of them is called Leadspedia. Um, that allows you to um, distribute leads to multiple buyers pretty easily, do... Right round robin, things like that. Yeah. There's a platform called track drive, which we've started getting involved in, which allows you to automate text drip sequences and then outbound dials to, to leads. So mm-hmm. in our space, the contact rate and connection rate is super important. So track drive. And then I don't know, things like ManyChat. we're kind of trying to dig deep. Oh, here's the game changer. You, you want to tool that will This is like, this is the biggest thing that's changed our business in the last 18 months without a doubt. It's going to sound so stupid. Huh. Uh, there's a platform called leads hook, which is a quiz software. Okay. It's a quiz tool. And what we found is on Facebook and actually on Google too, if you put a quiz, so like a questionnaire, it's not even a quiz. It's like a questionnaire on a landing page, instead of a form, our conversion rates have increased like 50%, like massive improvements in conversion rate by converting a form into a answer three questions and then put in my contact info. And the
0: Game questions page. are they? What what happens with the questions? They get a response, they get a rating back on how they did on the quiz. So I mean, I'll, so um
1: there's a company that I work with on the West uh, on the West Coast, they do um like outdoor landscaping mm-hmm. and they had a form and it's like what type of landscaping do you want? When are you looking to start your project? Um, something else, then contact info. And at the top of the form, it said a thousand dollars off a five thousand dollar project or something. I can't remember what the okay. offer was, right? So like a decent offer. And then we changed it to a question-based quiz and it converted it like, I don't know, let's say 4%. And then, and then it was a quiz. So it had buttons and it would say, when are you are looking to start your project? Zero to three months, one to three, and you like click it. And then it's like, what are you trying to do? And you'd like click the thing. And then you clicked it again and then it said, you you qualify for a $1,000 off a $10,000 thing. It says you you like, you won it. Everybody wins the same offer, <laughs> but like you qualify and this psychology of like clicking the things getting the thing and then putting in your info, it literally, I think it doubled our conversion rate. I mean, I don't know the exact metrics, but the quizzes on Facebook, if you do a form, your conversion rate sucks. If you put on a quiz, you, I mean, it, it just works. It'll, and it's it'll a pull. quiz
0: to your site that that has that much of a, dra- a dramatic uh, impact.
1: You literally just swap the contact form yeah. with a quiz. Uh-huh. I call it a quiz, but it's like a questionnaire and yeah. you can get tons of data points. Like you can do a fifteen form, a fifteen field form through a quiz, and like people will will go through the entire thing because they're like committed to this, and it's easy. You're just clicking buttons, and you're just saving all the information. Yeah. And, then, and then you can do logic. You can send them different places. You can amortize a loan with their software. It's super advanced. Um, you can do anything you want, but it's powerful. I dig it. Leads Hook is where it's at.
0: You know what? I even it, it's called Itzug. I don't know it. Uh, e- Leads Hook. leads Leads hook got it leads hook.com frankly i even found that for myself if i'm trying to get feedback on my business if i say can you give me feedback people will first of all they're not going to say yes they won't show up to the calls the feedback will be much more how can i help andrew but if i say i'm here to help you with what you're going through and what with whatever the topic is Now I get somebody who's telling me the real problem, what they were hoping to get out of my solution for it. And they're much more open, much more, um, much more vulnerable. And the reason that they are is because now I've, I've repositioned it instead of you helping me, it's me helping you. And so I could see the same thing with a quiz being more helpful because now you're, you're giving them something of value right away, I guess. Or maybe it's just that it's so, so new right now. I think it's just,
1: I don't even know if it's the value. It's just, you've, you just have like, you've gotten something. Yeah, I guess it is the thought. I mean, you've, you've like earned something and it's not just a contact form, you know?
0: Uh, How about one, one last one. These are so good. I was going to ask you this one personal question that I'll hold for a moment, but is there one other one? It's not super personal. You're not going to feel like I'm invading your bedroom.
1: No, you can ask me anything. I'm on a totally open book. Um, I don't, I can't think of it except for, um, you know, this is a personal thing. It's but uh, Marco Polo. Are, are you familiar with Voxer? Hey, you know what,
0: my I am Voxer is like Slack, but all voice voice yeah. first. Um, yeah. The the lead pages team uses it, and when they were buying ads for me, they asked me to join in, and that's how they wanted to communicate. Okay, and so Marco Polo is is so, like chat via audio with friends. Uh, so
1: Voxer is chat via audio, and me with my team, I love using Voxer. I hate text messaging; it takes forever. Um, half the time I want to respond to something and, but I'm driving so I can just talk and you can hear inflection in the voice. You can do groups. So if we have an account that needs collaboration, all of us can talk together. So when you're remote, it's powerful because like I'm on this interview right now and someone could be boxing me and they it could be very lengthy three, I mean, very lengthy three minutes and I can be driving home and then I can box them back and you can communicate in pseudo real time. Mm-hmm. And then Marco is the same, but video and on a personal level, just very powerful. Uh, we use it in our EO group and you can just connect in a way that's, you know, in this time when you're not seeing people just even seeing them on video. And so it's like a, it's, it's a chat thread. You've got multiple people on it, which is really cool. So those are more personal, but I love
0: those. The, the personal thing I was going to ask you about is I thought I saw a tattoo right by your elbow. Oh yes. Yeah. Right. What is that? Yeah. It's kind of hidden in there, but I, I pay attention for this stuff.
1: Yeah. So they're footprints. Um, So this is uh, Macy and not the real side. This is Macy. But then my wife lost twins at 20 weeks. Okay. So this is Sophie and Chloe and those are their footprints. So I don't forget them. And then my son Parker still needs to go here, but I didn't get it done before COVID. And I told my wife, if I die to find someone to tattoo my dead body, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, now I'm real upset. I didn't get it done earlier on. He's like two. I feel like a scumbag
0: (laughs) would you take him over to see him uh see the tattoo what's that would you take him that's that seems like a benefit two-year-olds would love to see that
1: oh man my kids would probably love that yeah Yeah, we're a little covid safe now so
0: my wife would probably
1: not be that into it but you know no i mean
0: after covid it looks like we're a few months away and hopefully we'll be back i hope so i hate working from home i say it a million times i hate working from home um what's your revenue right now
1: uh Last year, Paracor did, um, or this year, I guess, um, we're going to do about 1.2 for Paracor and then Prevail will be about 600,000. Wow.
0: So it's significant, this new business that you just launched just, what, 12, 18 months ago? Uh, no, this one we launched in April. In April. Oh, in April of this year. Yeah, April of this year. Wow. Impressive. Yeah. All right. Hi. uh, I'm happy to see this. I'm especially appreciative of the person who made the connection. The founder of Trainual, right? You guys use Trainual?
1: Uh yeah, we do use Trainual. Yeah.
0: It's a way to let everyone on the team know how to work together, what the the operating manual of the company is. Yeah. All right. For anyone who wants to go and check you out, I feel like what we're going to do is I'm going to I'm going to suggest that they go check out Paracore. What does Paracore mean? Uh it doesn't really mean anything. You just what? came up with the name. <clears throat>
1: Um, we were like, trying to be clever with this paradox between technology, complicated technology, and simple solutions. There's a file in our framework called core.class.php. It's real nerdy. Yeah. Another reason we should have changed the name to something
0: besides Paracore. At least it's easy to spell and it's enough that we'll ask a question about it. Um, So it's paracore.com. But is there a way for somebody to connect with you like on a personal level, if they read one of the books that you recommended and want to tell you how it was or ask you for a book recommendation? I feel like this is the kind of conversation that people will connect with more personally than they would otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Adam at paracore.com
1: is a great way to reach me. Adam at grow with com. Either of those two, those are just my personal emails. Okay. Um, anytime I love getting those, but LinkedIn, LinkedIn, eh, not LinkedIn. I miss those all the time. Get too much spam on LinkedIn
0: or, I know, yeah. I- all right. Uh, actually, LinkedIn has actually been effective for me lately, which it's, I, I didn't know if it was me changing or if it's the platform changing. I, I'm going to blame it on the platform. I do think they've actually improved dramatically. They've realized that they, um, that if they could get the right content on there and create the right atmosphere, they'll draw people in and yeah. Yeah, it's been improving for me. All right. Um, The suggestion that I always have is if there's anything you've got out of this interview, just go and tell Adam, find a way to reach out to him. Let him know I have found Adam that I get such great results when I will find an email that I sent to a founder, like five years before I hit reply on that. And then I like continue the conversation. But if the first thing that I say is, Hey, Jeff uh, Twilio is doing well. Can you help me with this thing? He's not going to respond, but if I could hit reply on something I sent him five years ago and then yeah. say, by the way, now there's a relationship there that doesn't start with me asking. So I always recommend that people reach out that way. All right. Uh, and I also want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. You probably know by now that the first is Gusto. Go check out if you have, if you're hiring people, if you're working with people, if you're paying people this year, next year. This is the time to switch. Go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. And if you like this pumpkin principle idea, if you want to create another site for another part of your business, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. Adam, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, everyone.